Good morning. It's Monday, January 8th, 2024. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer for the Cantor Fitzgerald Managed ETF Portfolios. Uh, this is my weekly economic and market commentary. As a reminder, you can follow me intra-week uh, on the Twitter, now known as the X, or on the LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan. This presentation is available weekly um, either as a subscription presentation where you see the slides and graphs and charts or as a, a podcast, which is audio only and is available on all of the different podcast formats. The presentation has been prepared by Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors for use with investors and financial advisors who are each expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained herein should be treated as investment advice or a recommendation for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is for informational purposes only, and its accuracy, adequacy, and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Well, we started off the first week of 2024 in a sea of red. That makes sense. We had a huge run-up uh, after the, the bottom on October 27th. It was absolutely unprecedented. The rate, the rise over the run, the second derivative, if you will, the slope of the curve, uh, rising at a rate that we all know was very unsustainable, but it was rising on hopes that the Fed would be cutting interest rates this year. It would be cutting interest rates because inflation had reached their target and because the economy had slowed. Last week, we started to see some signs that perhaps the economy is slowing or did slow significantly in the fourth quarter, such that it bolsters the view that the Fed may need to or will be willing to cut the federal funds rate this year. Now, all that being said, I don't think they're going to do that until we see job losses and core PCE year-over-year -year inflation number that is consistently at or below this, the Fed's stated objective of 2% on the core PCE number. S&P did a little better than most, down 1.5% last week. Actually, international markets were the best, minus 1.26. Small and mid-cap stocks got hit the hardest, 25 and about 35 uh, respectively, for mid and small cap. Let's take a look at the data. We've essentially been in a manufacturing recession. The reason nobody's panicked so much about that is because you can see we had these massive uh, manufacturing numbers as we came out of the, the COVID shutdowns mandated by state, local, federal governments uh, around the world, uh, which significantly, which created obviously a recession that was met with massive fiscal and monetary stimulus in, uh, in size and scope never seen before, including financial crisis of 2008. So coming off of that, it makes sense we got below 50. But now people are starting to say, you know, we've been below 50 for a little bit too long. A couple of touches of 50 you can see here, here, and here. Remember, above 50, the economy is expanding. Below 50, the economy is contracting. In this case, we're just measuring the manufacturing part of the economy, which is about 15% of the U.S. economy. And we fell below expectations of 48.4 down to 47.9. So that number raised some eyebrows last week, but it would also bolster the likelihood that the Fed uh, would cut. Then you move from the S&P global manufacturing reading 
to the ISM manufacturing reading, that rose from 46.7 to 47.4. As you can see, we've been below, well below 50 for almost two years, a couple of more months like this, and we will be at two years of below 50. The estimate there was 47.1. New orders are in contraction. Production though rose, so a little bit more production, one month over the other, and employment remains in contraction. So this is a signal that the economy is slowing, but we always remind ourselves that the U.S. is not all about manufacturing. The U.S. is a service and consumer-oriented economy. It's the envy of the world. It's what China's trying to become and struggling with, quite frankly. And so we move into the services readings for December. And here, the economy's growing, and services are 85%. So it begs the question, how much of the manufacturing slump is related to, okay, we just had to speed it up after COVID, and now we're retrenching and, and sort of normalizing. How much of it is secular, just related to the fact that as the U.S. economy evolves more towards services and consumers and away from manufacturing, we import a lot of manufactured goods in this country, and how much of it is an actual bona fide signal saying we're going to slow considerably and perhaps even enter a recession at some point. And that's, of course, a $64 million question that none of us know. The good news is the services side of our economy continues to do well. We rose from 50.8 to 51.4. You could see well above the red line. It was a little bit above the estimate of 51.3. We move on. We got numbers from on construction spending. Construction spending rose four-tenths of a percent for the month of, of November and up 11% year over year. Now, uh, with high prices in residential real estate, I'm using as one part of construction, obviously, high prices and with interest rates either coming down or expected to come down further, uh, it's suggestive, of course, that construction will do pretty well. Residential uh, construction included, obviously. You know, there's a lot of talk. Uh, well, we're in a recession. We're already in a recession. Manufacturing numbers show that. I don't think that's the case. One of the reasons I don't think we're in a recession is because we still have a very strong and robust labor market. Job openings, as measured by the JOLTS indicator, J-O-L-T-S, uh, came in uh, for November at 8.8 million. Now, that's way down from the 12 million we had just, just two years ago. But the more job openings than unemployed people puts upward pressure on wages, which puts upward pressure on inflation. So if the number of openings is coming down, that's a little bit disinflationary and that's needed right now. Uh, and then we see the blue line is the number of people unemployed. That's U3. That's not just a, or U6 rather. That's not just an, uh, you know, it's, it's a big all-encompassing number, which includes folks that are partially attached to the labor force or in jobs that they think that are not their long-term objective jobs. So the fact of the matter is you can't really be in a recession unless you have jobs losses, because if you can't, the consumer won't slow down unless the consumer doesn't have an income or doesn't have a job. So at 6.3 million uh, unemployed or marginally employed, you still have a mismatch more openings than labor. That is still inflationary. The extent of it is declining. That's good news from an inflation standpoint, but you don't really have a problem with an imminent recession 
unless you see this blue line begin to kick up and the yellow line begin to sharply go down. You see it here, back over here in uh, 2020, COVID shutdown, that did result in a recession. And so I'm not willing to call recession this year. I'm willing to call slowdown. I'm willing to call a lot of things. Uh, and you know, I incorrectly called recession in March of 03 uh, due to the regional bank failures. I thought for sure the restriction in lending would lead to lower output and it just, it just didn't. Um, so we keep an eye on this uh, very, very closely. And then we also watch the weekly initial claims for unemployment. Weekly initial claims for unemployment fell uh, from 220,000 to 202,000. I've said over and over, you're sick of hearing it. 300,000 is the line in my opinion. Of course, our labor force and population continues to grow and the number of weekly claims is at a level not seen since the 1960s when our labor force was about half of what it is today. That just that that puts an exclamation point on the breadth, the diversity and the strength of the American economy that we're all blessed to live in uh, and operate in and enjoy. Continuing claims for unemployment fell from 1.9 to 1.85, no real change there. Again, if you're going to call recession, you need to see this number pick up. Remember when I called it, I'm gonna keep bashing myself here, but we had gone from 200 to about 250. Uh, I, I was trying to get ahead of it. I thought we were gonna break through 300 last year. We did not, and we're all the way back down to 200. So the economy, um, stays stays out of recession for now. Two big uh, employment reports last week. We got the ADP, Automatic Data Processing, private payroll company for many, many of us. They say, according to their statistical methodology, private payrolls gained 164,000 in December. That was more than expected. Services up 155, goods producing up about 9,000. It's on top of a 101,000 gain in the month of November. Then the Department of Labor, the Bureau of Labor Statistics puts out their estimate, the different statistical methodology. They say we added 216,000 uh, after gaining 173 in November. That was revised a little lower, not a big deal. Very important, this unemployment rate is still below 4%, it's at 3.7%. Of course, I'm old enough to remember, you know, persistently high unemployment with inflation um, from the 70s, uh, late 70s and early 1980s. Automobile sales, too, came in 15.3 uh, million annualized rate uh, up from there to 15.83 million. Still not at that north of 16, say 16 and a half million where we where we were. Um, part of that is. Um, Cars are better and uh, they're lasting longer. So we always, when we look at data, we always have to ask, is it secular or is it cyclical? And, you know, obviously that big drop right there, cyclical, right? That was the COVID recession. Uh, there was a big boost in the stimulus, the, you know, the drop off after the stimulus. One of the things we've learned through 08 and 2020 is, you know, stimulus is temporary, right? And it just gives you this boost and then you, and then you just crash from it and it would be better if we had long-term policies that sustained you know, economic growth and, and provided economic incentive for investment, et cetera. But I digress. Factory orders in November rebounded 2.6% after a decline in October. This is a volatile series, that's okay. Takeout transportation still up 0.1% uh, on a month over month 
basis. So economic data this week is kind of light, uh, but important. So consumer credit, okay, interesting. We'll get that today. Small business optimism, trade deficit on Tuesday, nothing on Wednesday. Thursday, it gets interesting with CPI. Expected to be up a click. PPI on Friday, expected to be up a click. But what really happens this week that's important is earnings season begins, uh, begins Friday. So we're going to have United Health, Delta Airlines, BlackRock, the big money manager, makes a lot of the ETFs that we use in our portfolios, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Bank of New York Mellon, JP Morgan, and Citi. All big, 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 big financials always start off the earnings season, and we'll be waiting for those earnings on Friday. It's often a good indicator uh, because they're so in touch with the entire economy, because they lend to the entire economy. It's often a good indicator about how the rest of the earnings season may progress. Okay, everybody, don't forget to subscribe. Give me a like, a thumbs up, retweet, send it out, tell your friends, etc. Thanks a lot. I'll be back to you again in one week.